really believe that as they were singing courage. Boy, you could sense courage starting to rise in this place. Boy, this is our year to be courageous. You know, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And the big word for the year is courageous. Say that with me. Courageous. The memory verse goes like this. Everyone say it with me. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Can we give God praise? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, before you're seated, let's speak words of faith to each other. Look at somebody and tell them, we are courageous. Amen. We are courageous. We are courageous. Oh, it's so good to see everybody. As, as we start off this new year, uh, having courage, showing courage, We've been looking at one of the most courageous men in the Bible. His name is Daniel. And as we come to chapter 4 in the book of Daniel, if you have your Bibles, that's where you'll want to turn, Daniel chapter 4. Daniel has to show courage and have a difficult conversation with a difficult person. Have you ever had to do that? You know, it's funny how this works out. Just this week, it happened to me. I, one of the goals we have for the year is we're, we're praying that 200 people, new people, will get involved in, in serving to take their passion and their gifts and use them away to serve the work of God here at the church. And I thought, well, since this is the weekend that we're encouraging people to, to pray about that, I'm going to do my part. So what I decided to do is I went and visited, I made cold calls to people who are part of our church this week, and I asked them if they would be interested in serving. Now, it's difficult to make a cold call, and some of the people that I visited, can I just be real with you? We got some pretty rough characters who are a part of this church. I mean, I don't know. Watch the screens and you can see it for yourself. I just, I don't know. Hey, I'm a pastor at the Cathedral of Faith. Oh, cool. Hey, I, I know you're busy with being fast and furious and all that stuff, but I was wondering if you might have time to come serve at the church. What are your names again? Pastor. It doesn't matter what your names are. You walk around here interrupting the rock you like you haven't seen the sun in 20 years. You like you just stepped out of Oliver Twist. Well, uh, do you have any advice for recruiting volunteers? Please, sir. May I have some more advice, sir? You want some advice? Here's the rock's advice. Shut your mouth. Hi. I was wondering if you'd like to join one of the 217 ministries here at the cathedral? That I cannot do. We've known each other many years, but this is the first time you ever came to me for counsel for help. Well, I really think you'd like it. You're all alone here in your office. 
But if you serve, you'll get connected with some great members of the cathedral family. What have I ever done to make you treat me so disrespectfully? Oh, no. I mean no disrespect. If you can't serve, maybe you could get some others to serve. Godfather, make them an offer they can't refuse. I'm looking for Josie Wales. That'd be me. I've heard a lot of good things about you, Josie. I reckon I'm right popular. Yes, you are. I want you to come with me and serve at the church. You a bounty hunter? No, I'm a pastor. A man's got to make a living. Diane ain't much of a living, boy. Yeah, well, I think you ought to hang up those pistols, get on your horse, ride down the old town road to Cathedral, and I'm not leaving here till you do. You know, this isn't necessary. You can just ride on. Hi, um, I'm Pastor Ken, and I've been checking in with people to see if they might be interested in serving at Cathedral. You look like a pretty strong guy. I bet you could bag tons of food out of reaching out. Just stay away from the greens, because it looks like you've had enough. <laughs> Wow, it was a rough week. It was a really rough week. Can we give a shout out to Jolie and Seti and our video team? They do a great job helping us to set the idea for the message. Dr. Wayne, I hope you know people respond better to you than he did to me. It was rough. When you have to give a difficult message to a difficult person, it takes courage. And that's what we find in Daniel chapter 4. You know, the, the story all begins with a king. A king who faces the test of success. The test of success. Between Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 4, it's 30 years between the two. And the king has had a lot of success over that time. Before he was a king, he was a general. He won one battle after another. And when his dad passed away, he became the king. And again, one success after another. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4, he says this. He says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at my palace. I was happy and successful successful say that with me successful and was he ever he was the most powerful ruler in the world he had the most land the most wealth the most influence he built the most beautiful city in the world he built one of the seven ancient wonders of the world the hanging gardens of babylon he had one success after another. This guy was a rock star. In fact, archaeologists, uh, a while back, they found a picture of Nebuchadnezzar as a young, well, just as a boy, you can see the picture they found right up here. It seemed like when he was young, this guy was just destined for success. But when you have that kind of success, everybody hear this. When you have that kind of success, it's also a test. 
Sometimes when we think of a test, we think of adversity. And adversity is one kind of test we face. But prosperity is another kind of test that we face. And sometimes passing the test of prosperity can be even more difficult than passing the test of adversity. One writer put it this way. He said, for every 100 men who can stand adversity, there is only one who can stand prosperity. For some reason, I'm not sure why this is the case, but when there's pain in my life, it has a way of pushing me closer to God. But when there's pleasure in my life, it has a way of creating a distance between me and God. To be able to pass the test of success. When one of the greatest tests you may have is, is not adversity, it may be prosperity. I want you to think about this. The greatest test, consider this. The greatest test that you have in your life may not be when you lose your job. It may be when you gain a promotion. It may not be when you move into your car. It may be when you move into your mansion. It may not be when you're buried in debt. It may be when you're buried in stock options. How I handle my success, what I do with my success, it's a test. A, a while back, they did a study on the giving habits of people who regularly attend church. And here's what they found. They found that People that made $25,000 or less on average gave 6.7% of their income to the work of God at the church. People that made more than $100,000 on average gave less than 1% of their income to the church. Isn't that interesting? The more prosperous I am, the harder it is for me to write that big check. I, I heard about a guy who went to see his pastor. He said, Pastor, you got to pray for me. So when I was making minimum wage, and I tithed every single week, I was faithful. But now I'm making six figures, and it's just so hard. I have so much trouble. It's hard for me to write that big check. And so the pastor prayed. He said, sure, I'll pray. And the pastor prayed this way. He said, Heavenly Father, you see the struggles that my brother is having. And I pray, I pray that you would reduce his level of income <laughs> so he can start to tithe again. Amen. So he can start to pass that test. Success. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. We strive for success, we aim for success, we believe for success, we pray for success. But when God blesses us with success, the way that we pass that test is we take our success 
and we recognize it is God who has given us the power to get wealth. Can somebody say amen? And we celebrate how God has been good to us with success. And we honor God in the way that we handle our success. I mean, when you are successful and people are patting you on the back, that's a test. In the book of Proverbs, it says this about compliments. It says, a hot furnace tests silver and gold, and people are tested by the praise they receive. It's a test. When somebody compliments you. Compliment is a little bit like gum. It's fine to chew on it for a while, but you don't want to swallow it. Because that's when it makes you sick. You pass the test when people are singing your praises... I saw a guy pass the test last weekend. I had a chance to watch a little bit of football last weekend. Did anybody else watch some football last weekend? Are there any Niner fans in the house? Okay, I thought you were out there. So I had a chance to to watch the game. And, And just let me say on a side note that it will be painful for me. It really will. But I am going to root for the Niners in the Super Bowl. I am. Because my philosophy is, you know, my philosophy is this, buy local, cheer local. Amen. And so I'm going to cheer local this weekend. But I have to give some props to the owner of the Chiefs because I also saw some of that game when I got home from church. And After they won the game, they were talking to the chief's owner, and they asked him how it felt to have that trophy in his hands. That trophy has his dad's name on it. That trophy was named after his dad. His dad was the one that came up with the term Super Bowl. And now here he is holding that trophy, and the interviewer was talking about What a great job he and his family have done in running the team and bringing it to this place. And the owner, it was a test. And he talked about his players, and he talked about his coach, and he talked about the fans. But most of all, he said, he said, I thank the Lord for this opportunity, and all of the glory belongs to him. Hallelujah! Let's give God praise. Amen. Hallelujah! That's how you pass the test. So pray. I pray. God bless your people with great success. Can somebody say amen to that? And as God blesses us with success, God, help us to honor and glorify you as you expand our influence, as our fame increases, as our income levels go up, as people are singing our praises. God, help us to use our success to bring honor and glory to you. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So here we have a king. 
the first thing is this king, Nebuchadnezzar, he has a test when it comes to success. Now he doesn't pass the test, and it creates all kinds of distress. He has a dream. Now, some dreams are just dreams, but this dream, he believes, has an important meaning, and he doesn't know what the meaning is. So he calls his number one advisor. He has a whole stable of advisors, but he calls his number one advisor, Daniel. Isn't that something? Nebuchadnezzar is a pagan king, and his number one advisor is a man of faith. Daniel. He remembered 30 years before Daniel had interpreted a dream for him. And so now he calls Daniel into the palace and asks him to do it again. He tells Daniel the dream, and now Daniel is distressed because he knows the meaning of it, and it's not good. How is he going to tell this king that message? I heard about this one husband who he was on safari with his wife and his mother-in-law. And they were staying out in a tent in the Serengeti. And at one point... The wife came running into the tent, and she says, come quickly, come quickly. Mom's in trouble. She said, there's a lion that has mom cornered. What should we do? What should we do? And the husband said, I'm not doing anything. The lion got himself into that mess. Let him get himself out of it. That mother-in-law... She was someone you didn't want to tangle with. The king was the same way. This king was known as having a huge ego and a bad temper. And if you said something he didn't like, that could be it. And so we understand why Daniel, when he thinks about the meaning of the dream and what he has to do, the Bible says Daniel was greatly perplexed for a time And his thoughts terrified him. Terrified. Say that word with me. Terrified. And this dispels one of the greatest myths about courage. Sometimes we think that being courageous means that we never have any fear. But I'm not so sure that's the case. Sometimes being courageous means doing what we need to do in spite of our fear, in the face of our fear. In fact, one lady has written a book, a psychologist, written the best book that I've read on the subject of fear. And the title of the book goes this way, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. And in the book, she talks about how if you wait until the fear passes to do what you know you need to do, you'll always be waiting because fear may always be with you until you move against that fear and do what you need to do. Acknowledge the fear, but do it anyway. Feel the fear, say a prayer, and do it anyway. 
know, I'm not a big cat guy, but I did find a cat that I liked. And the cat was right up here. It says, speak your mind even if your voice shakes. That's what courage is. And that's what Daniel does. His voice is shaking. His knees are knocking. But he's going to give this message to the king. And he goes on to tell the king, the dream is about you. That you are going to lose your mind. Literally. You are going to lose your power. And you are going to roam the streets and the fields like a beast. This is what's going to happen to you, king. And then he continues. Unless you change, he says to the most powerful man in the world, turn from your sins and start living right. Have mercy on those who are mistreated. Then all will go well with you for a long time. That's what courage looks like. Boy, when your voice is shaking, feel the fear and do it anyway. Maybe God brought you here this weekend for me to give you a nudge that deep down in your heart of hearts, well, you know what you want to do. You know what you should do. You know what God's calling you to do. But fear has been holding you back. I mean, there are other reasons on the outside that you've been talking about, but deep down, fear has paralyzed you. God brought you here today for me to give you a nudge and say, feel the fear, say a prayer, do it anyway, and take hold of your future. That's what courage looks like, amen? Be courageous. It's National Sanctity of Life Sunday, and I wanted to take just a moment and talk to talk about one of my favorite people, one of my heroes. Her name was Mother Teresa, and Mother Teresa was only five foot tall, but she was a giant in her spirit. She was once invited to speak at the presidential prayer breakfast. That's a pretty big deal to be invited to speak at that breakfast. Dr. Wayne and I have been to the breakfast. We weren't asked to speak, but it's a pretty big deal. And so at the head table, the president at the time and his wife, they were both very much pro-choice. Of course, Mother Teresa had a different take on things. And in that environment, even though it was difficult, boy, when she, it was time for her to give her speech, she had the courage to say what she believed. She said this, I feel that the greatest destroyer of peace today is abortion. Because Jesus said, if you receive a little child, you receive me. So every abortion is the denial of receiving Jesus is the neglect of receiving Jesus. Took a lot of courage to say that. And when she did, it was dead silence. You could have heard a pin drop. 
And then applause started over here. And then it picked up momentum over here. And then it continued over here until eventually everybody in the room was standing. They gave her a five-minute standing ovation for showing the courage and sharing her belief. That's what courage looks like. Amen. That is what courage looks like. Hallelujah. And I, I'd like to, I mean, I'm giving you a nudge, but how about if we encourage each other? If you give that person next to you a nudge, I mean, don't nudge them too hard. Unless they're asleep, give them a big nudge. Amen. But give them a little nudge and tell them you are, well, you know what? Tell them this. You can do it. Be courageous. Go ahead. You can do it. Be courageous. You can do it. Be courageous. Amen. Let's give God praise. Amen. Courage is rising in this place. That brings us to this last part of our story. And the last part of our story, the king, well, he's a mess. But God takes his mess and turns it into a message. How many are grateful for a God who can take our mess Turn it around and give us a message. Amen? Give us a message. That's the kind of God we serve. I, I saw this one comic. Uh, it, it's a boss who has two boxes in front of him. One says, in one ear, and the other one says, out the other. And this is exactly what happens to Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel shares his message and it goes in one ear and out the other. And for 12 months, he makes no changes and lives as if he never had the dream. Isn't that something? 12 months. God was patient 12 months. Well, if you're grateful for the patience of God, can you say amen? amen. That God is patient. But eventually, if you don't change, justice delayed is not justice denied on the timeline of God. And eventually, after 12 months, Nebuchadnezzar walks out on his roof one day, boy, and he has, he throws an eye party. He says this. He says, look at Babylon. I built this great city. It is my palace. I built this great place by my power. I built this place to show how great I am. Does that seem like a lot of eyes to you? <laughs> and right after that, the dream comes to pass. He has a mental breakdown. He loses his mind. Don't think you're invincible. He loses his mind. He loses his power. And he's roaming the streets and the fields like a beast. He is a mess for two years. This is what his life 
is like. But thanks be to God. God can take our mess and turn it around and give us a message. In fact, I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. If even today you would say, Pastor Ken, I'm a mess. My life is a mess. It's a mess at home, a mess at work, a mess in my finances, a mess in my career. Here is a prayer, a powerful prayer, a profound prayer, an honest prayer that you can pray, and it's only four words. Are you ready? It's a four-word prayer, and I believe everybody can take this prayer with them when they leave here today. Lord, bless this mess. That's the prayer. Would you say that with me? Lord, bless this mess. One more time. Lord, bless this mess. In fact, let's just speak that over our messes today. Say it with me and declare it over your mess. Lord, bless this mess. Mess. God can take that mess, turn it around, and give you a message, and look at what God does for Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar says, God gave me my right mind again. He gave me back my great honor and power as king. My advisors and the royal people began to ask my advice again. I became the king again, even greater and more powerful than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, give praise and honor and glory to the King of heaven. Can we give God praise? That is what God can do. No matter how low you go, you are never too low for the grace of God to lift you up and give you a testimony. That's really what he does for Nebuchadnezzar. When you read through chapter 4, what it is, it's a letter. Nebuchadnezzar wrote this letter and he sent it to all of the leaders around the world. Look at what we read earlier in the chapter. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I want you all to know about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. This is his celebrate recovery moment. He goes to group and he stands up and he says, Hi, my name is Nebuchadnezzar and I have a problem with pride. But thanks be to God, there is a higher power the king of heaven, who is helping me to overcome my pride and has raised me up by his grace. God took his mess and gave him a message. And it took courage. It really did for him to share that message with other rulers in the world. Think about that. I want everyone to lock in on this because I believe, I know that every one of us have a story to tell. Every one of us have a journey that we're on. 
every one of us can look back at our lives and say, this is where we were, but thanks be to God, this is what we've done, or this is where we're at now. This is where we were. This is where we are. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I'm see. I once was a mess, but God turned that mess around, and now God's given me a message to share. Look at what the Lord has done in my life. Hallelujah. And the message is this, that every saint has a past, but every sinner has a future. Let me say that again. Every saint has a past, but every sinner has a future. Oh, I want to say that again. Every saint has a past, but every sinner has a future. Look at what the Lord has done in my life. What he did for me, he can do for you. And it takes courage to share that with the people in your circle. But if you take a step of courage and share it, a pagan king, the most powerful man in the world, becomes a follower of the living God, we will meet Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. It's amazing. And Nebuchadnezzar is willing to admit his brokenness. Have you ever thought about that? He shares his brokenness with all of these other rulers in the world. Boy, it took courage to do that. It's one thing to share your success, but to share your brokenness. But when you take your brokenness and you make that a part of your message, because that's the one thing every human being has in common. We're all broken. And when you find a window to open up your soul, and share your brokenness with somebody else. And you say, this is where I was broken, but God is making me whole. This is where I failed, but God is making me a success. This is how my life was a mess, but God turned it around and has given me a message. Every saint has a past, but every sinner has a future. Look what the Lord has done. I am so excited about 2020, and in just a little while, two weeks before Easter, we were going to have a real rock star with us. Him and his daughter have just come out with a documentary, and they're going to be guests with us to tell us about their journey. His name is Brian Welch, and he's a guitar player and a singer for a band called Korn. Now, Korn is a heavy metal band. And they kind of brought heavy metal into the mainstream, and they've won, you know, they've, they've won awards, they've sold you know, multi-platinum you know, in sales. They're, 28 of their songs have, have gone to the charts on Billboard charts, and so they've had a lot of success. But for Brian, that success ended up a mess as he developed a really bad addiction to meth. But he surrendered his life to God. And by the grace of God, God gave him power to overcome that addiction. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then God took that mess, turned it around, and has given him a message 
He was away from the band for a while, but he rejoined the band, Corn, and travels with them today and shares that message wherever he goes. Watch the screens and let what he's doing inspire courage in you. In 2012, I rejoined Corn, which was a surprise to many, including myself. So all that, that crowd, all those fans and the band members and all those other bands are, that's my, like when I went back, it was like, hey brother, that's my family, you know? And I know the music, music's crazy, but mainly the, the, the lyrics are about pain, you know, and they come from a real and raw place. People need hope. There's addictions like crazy in that world. There's depression. There's been a lot of suicide um, stories happening. What better place to be having the meaning of life that I carry? You know, I know the answer for the meaning of life, so. It's not the most popular thing to do at a rock concert is talk about Christ. Now, I'm doing it because it's the most realest thing that's ever happened to, be, to me in my life. There's always a separation that Christians try to do. It's like when a baby's born, it needs to be in a sterile environment where everything's pure around the, the, the baby, right? For a period of time until it can go start touching things. And so that's, it's kind of the same thing spiritually where you gotta go away in a pure environment and get to know, you know, this new life and get strengthened and prepared. And that's what happened. And so we need to figure out what's right for our lives for this time, you know? I did that. I followed God right back in the corn, and he's there, and I'm, I'm not separated from them or the fans any longer. He says in the Bible, he's gonna restore all things. God is so good that he's, re he's restored me in that way. It's just everything, restoration. He gives you glimpses of that by restoring your life. He restored me in a way that's unique to me. Amen. Oh, look at what the Lord has done. Look forward to having Brian here. Everybody stand with me for just a moment. Stay locked in with me for a couple of minutes because I want to pray with you. Close your eyes. Listen to the voice of God. I want to pray over you. Father, thank you for this wonderful family here at Cathedral. I pray that you would bless them with success. God, expand their influence, increase their income levels. Lord, increase their success in every way. But along with that, God, give us the grace to stay humble and to honor you with our success. Father, I pray for those who are feeling fear. I just want to pause a moment. Someone, you know what's in your heart to do ministry-wise, but what's really keeping you back is not schedule, not time, not training. It's fear. God, I pray that you would help all of us who are feeling fear. Give us strength. Lord, to feel the fear... Say a prayer. Do it anyway. And take hold of our future. And then, Father, I pray for courage as we share how you've taken our mess and you're turning it around 
and you've given us a message. Lord, give us the strength and courage to share that wherever we go. And Lord, I pray for those who are facing a mess today. I pray that you would bless that mess and that you would turn it around for Jesus' name and Jesus' glory. And all God's people said, amen. Can we give God praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. In fact, can can we do something? I I want us to take just a moment, and can we give God the very best of our praise? Let's give him with our hands, with our voices. Hallelujah. God, we thank you. Thank you for being so good to us. Hallelujah. Courageous. Say it with me. Courageous. Say it again. Courageous. Boy, I can sense that rising in this place.